You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. On this episode of Woopod Zooey. Mason Jones calls game, and the Hogs are six and zero. The women's cross-country team brings home a national championship. Barry Looney's boys walk into a buzzsaw in Death Valley. And we debate the best Thanksgiving sides. All that, plus an interview with Rock M Nation, coming up on Woo Pod Sui. Woo Pod. Welcome to another episode of Woo Pod Sui, the official podcast of Arkansas Fight. I am Tucker Partridge, along with my co-host, Saul Malone. Say hello to the people, Saul Malone. How are we doing, folks? Glad to be here. We have got a lot to talk about in a finite amount of time, and we're going to begin with an amazing basketball win. That's right. Just this happened. is being recorded on Monday night. Mere minutes after Mason Jones called game and the, banked in a three-pointer to defeat Georgia Tech, how are we feeling, Saul Malone? The bank was freaking open, baby. Mason Jones is my biological father, and I will acknowledge that here on this podcast. Wow. What a game. What a sloppy overtime that was real disappointing for quite a few runs there. But, man, Mason Jones with the... Top of the key, bank home three for the win at Georgia Tech. We are now 6-0, and and I am loving it, baby. The must bus is rolling full steam ahead. It is really, really nice to go into an ACC gym and walk out with a win, albeit one with one of the worst stretches of basketball I've ever seen in overtime. <laughs> We're like, uh, neither team uh, wanted to 59 score. 59 points is good enough for me. Let's just, we don't need to score anymore. 59 is fine. We both like it. A nice round number. And both teams were content to sit on that until the very, very end. <laughs> Literally the very end. And I, you know, that is in large part due to defense. Uh, we've talked about it all year. Eric Musselman has come in and said, hey, guys, you know, there's another side of the ball, and it's called defense. And the guys have listened. Like, I statistically, this is true. But after watching tonight, we may be the best defensive team in the country. Yeah, we passed that eyeball test for sure. I put us up there with, you know, people like the Virginia Cavaliers and things like that. So, uh, SEC not necessarily known as a defensive league when it comes to basketball uh but man the hogs are putting on a clinic when it comes to shutting down opponents and it's been pretty fun to watch yeah because when you can do that and have i mean it, it allows you to recover from those nights where the shots aren't falling i yeah. don't understand why uh for example desi sills has forgotten how to shoot yeah um I presumably think- he will progress to the mean that way yeah <laughs> but uh, when the shots aren't falling, it doesn't matter. If you like, get good defense, this, yeah. 
because there were several instances where the team looked like, you know, there was a sloppy pass or a turnover or something all in that really, really ugly overtime period. But literally every single time they came back and defended and got the ball back without any damage being done. Yeah. And, you know, is same, you know, Isaiah Joe was really hot and cold all night, but he had 13 points and those points were like, I guess in the NBA, they had to set like the clutch time points. All Isaiah Joe's points tonight seemed to be clutch time points. Just when we needed him most, he was there. Uh, you know, Mason Jones led all scorers at 24 points, four steals, three assists. And of course, the big game winner at, at the end there. So not the best offensive performance the Hogs ever had, especially we've been coming off five straight pretty much blowouts for the most part. And, you know, finally got a test and we held. We held our own and. The defense really is the reason that we are able to walk out of uh, Atlanta with a dub. And that's going to be big because, I mean, that's an old coach speak thing, but it's an old coach speak thing because it's true. Your offense may not travel, but defense travels. And so being able to go into a hostile environment, this was the first kind of true road test of the Musselman era to be able to go in there. And yeah, it was ugly for the overtime period. Yeah, we probably could have won it in regulation and didn't, but a win's a win, and I'm not going to complain at all. Yeah, I think Luke Davis put it really well in his recap article uh, in saying that this is a type of game that for the last 15 to 20 years, Arkansas loses. We don't, we give Absolutely. up a shot, you know, we give up a shot, we lose, and it's disheartening because we go home and we're down, we know we lost by one and we had a good chance to win the game. But we won, we held because of defense and because I think the guys that we have have bought into Musselman's uh, scheme and his ideals, and Musselman is utilizing the players that he has here at Arkansas and using them well. It is really exciting to see kind of where this team's headed. Uh, I don't think, you know, uh, expecting... uh, This team looked like it might be a bubble team with the tournament, Um, but now it sort of feels like the sky's the limit. Um... I don't think a lot of people would have expected Musselman to bring a team into the tournament in his first year. Uh, to be honest, I probably was expecting somewhere like good run, but finishing the NIT. This team is going to make some noise and they're not going to win every single game going forward. I don't think uh, <laughs> because games like tonight, you know, sometimes those shots don't fall. Uh, but they're going to cause a lot of problems for a lot of people. And that's going to be really fun to be a part of. Love to be a team that makes some noise. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's been a minute since Arkansas basketball has been that team. Uh, it has made me miss, man, it would be really fun to see uh, Gafford play under a Musselman team, but a uh, big week for the basketball hogs anyway, because they got another commitment uh, this time out of Fort Smith North side. I he's doing everything right. Yeah. And I know that, you know, it's only been six games, but we are now going to have three, at least top 100 recruits from uh, the state of Arkansas staying in the state of Arkansas. And that's 3%. Uh, we feel pretty good about getting one more. Uh, we'll see what KK does uh, this week, but I think they feel pretty good about getting him. So that's the potential to have four of the top 100 recruits 
plus most of the core of this year coming back. I am real excited to see what Eric Musselman is able to pull off with this team because, I don't know, this is the first time in a while that I feel like the whole state's been buzzing about basketball. And with the state of football right now, that's big. Like, that's very big for the program. Yeah, definitely bringing the basketball palace of the Midwest back to life. Loving that. Uh, Yeah, agreed. You know, got to have something to do until we get to baseball, which is consistently good. And to have a good basketball team coming off this this dreg of a season and for football, it's nice. It's really encouraging. And like you said, Musselman is hitting all the right beats early on in the season. And I think really there's nowhere to go but up for this team. There was a really cool moment after this game where he had run over to, I guess, what it amounted to a pretty decent sized traveling hog fan section yeah. uh, and was leading a hog call. Uh, man, he just gets it. Yeah. Like he gets it. And maybe that's superficial, but if it is, I don't care because I'm bought into it. I, I've i never seen an Arkansas coach that like so well bought into the program that wasn't from Arkansas. And really, I don't think he has any ties to the program, but man, he gets it. With a guy like uh, Mike Anderson or Nolan, uh, who had been around the program for a while, you know, you come to expect that with them. But uh, for him to just come in and immediately embrace the tradition of this place and immediately embrace kind of what Arkansas is about, I don't know how you couldn't feel excited. Yeah, I I think it's really easy to be on his team to root for him. And he's come in and just established himself and kind of endeared himself to the culture of Arkansas and to the fan base quickly. And on top of that is providing results. So I think that's just a really strong combo for a new coach in his first year to go so strong out of the gate with both being a part and ingrained into the community of the students and student athletes and providing the results that they're looking for. Speaking of results, um, unfortunately, a team that we have been following all year and celebrating all year was not able to pull one off. I am talking about the number eight soccer team that fell in the second round of the NCAA tournament to NC State in Provo, Utah. Unfortunately, they lost that game two to one, and it was a brutal loss. We pulled one back with uh, two minutes left to play and had a shot at the death that grazed the post. Uh, Really brutal way for a great team to fall out of the tournament. Yeah, about as close to completing a comeback as you can get without actually doing it. And just a really tough loss for a team that had been providing just a spark to Arkansas Athletics all year. It's always been super fun to keep up with. But really good news is pretty young team and is going to be back next year. Uh, with pretty much the same kind of core of players and the same people producing the same kind of results, hopefully. And, you know, not the result you want to see coming out of the the NCAA tournament, especially with how we felt we were playing during the year. But, you know, that's the way soccer happens sometimes. Sometimes you don't catch a break that you need to catch. They played hard. They never quit. And like I said, almost completed the comeback. But looking forward to what's happening with them next year. I really do think they're going to come on and be another contender next year. They return almost all of the firepower from this year. Obviously, one of the standouts there is Anna Potagil, who has been incredible this year. She is only a freshman and will be coming back. Plus, we got another Potagil. Her sister has committed to Arkansas. And then we, of course, have our friend of the show who was on our second episode, Jordan Stack, who was a freshman 
a lot of youngsters on this team who provide a lot of offense. I would be shocked if they're not back in it next year. But one thing uh, to take away from this is just what a great year it's been. This is the second straight appearance in the second round. It's the fifth in program history. They won an SEC title both regular season or they won the regular season SEC title and participated in the SEC title game again. It's four straight tournaments for Colby Hale, their highest seed ever being a three seed in this tournament, and we felt they could have been higher. Definitely. I, how do you not look at this year and see anything but a success? I mean, just an incredible year Yeah, from an incredible group of athletes. Agreed. Now that I, I don't have a... Don't have a bad thing to say about them, and don't even if I did, I wouldn't because they were just were such a fun team to watch, and just brought a lot of like I said, just brought a spark to a uh, kind of a dead season in Arkansas athletics. So, shout out to the Lady Razorback soccer team. We are two of your biggest fans for sure, and are so proud of you guys. Thanks for representing Arkansas so well. Just a great, great year. Um, to add on to. Well, it's been a pretty good year for the athletic department, football notwithstanding. Uh, for the first time in a very storied program's history, women's cross country has won a national championship. Bam, 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 bam. Natty championship to the Razorbacks. In what obviously is the best program uh, in the school in the track and field program. I did not realize we had never won one in cross country that had kind of eluded the program and we take it. We took it. Uh, it is ours now. So after a great, great uh, cross country championship, we had five of our runners finish in the top 100 Great performances by Katie Izzo, Taylor Warner, Devin Clark, Karina Viljoen, and Lauren Gregory ensured that Arkansas was able to finish in first place with a score of 96 points. I am not personally familiar with the scoring of track, but this was head and shoulders above teams like BYU, Stanford, New Mexico, and NC State. And looking at the track power rankings, that's pretty dang good. And it's really the highest high of achievement that you can get. So for two runners to finish in the top 10, top five with Katie Izzo and Taylor Warner, I, man, there are much, there are many more things to be happy about than what has been a dismal football season. Yeah. Bringing home some hardware, some more hardware. We got the SEC regular season championship and now a national championship for the women's cross country team. So Again, just a lot to be excited about for, uh, you know, Arkansas Athletics, as long as you're keeping up. There's good stuff happening. You just got to find it. That would be the fifth overall women's national championship and adds to the track program's casual 46 overall national titles. Is that, uh, is that good? That seems good. Uh, it seems to me that that's a decent record to hold. Pretty good. Track capital of the world, baby. That's us. Most people don't think Arkansas when they think track. Well, they better start. If they don't, they don't know what they're talking about because goodness gracious, 46. Speaking of 46, more points than that were scored in a game in Death Valley that we now have to recap for you. 
you are just getting better each week with these transitions into new subjects. She's <laughs> absolutely killing it. I actually spend most of my week between recording just figuring out ways to transition <laughs> phrases. So I'm glad to see that practice is paying off. The, the audience thanks you, and I do as well. But yes, folks, unfortunately, I do have to let you know we played a game of uh, football at Death Valley in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we came away with a loss. Uh, and let's let's not play cute. We kind of knew this was going to happen, guys. Uh, I mean, this is the number one team in the country, and they are the number one team in the country for a very good reason. They're a very good football team, uh, you know, with some weaknesses on defense, but we, of course, couldn't really find ways to exploit them until the end, uh, which we will get into. But let's dive into some real quick numbers. Uh, Arkansas came into Death Valley and put up 304 total yards of offense. With KJ Jefferson getting the starting nod and going seven to fourteen for 105 yards, no interceptions and no touchdowns. Uh, also worth noting, he had no time to do anything. Uh, we'll dive into that a little bit later. But honestly, completing 50 percent of your passes and not throwing a pick is pretty impressive for considering all of the pressure he was under. Nick Starkle end up paying for that pressure, which is why we have the next set of stats. Yes, uh, you know. Definitely got banged up a little bit, so we got Nick Starkle coming in, going 3-for-10 for 34 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. A very Nick Starkle line. <laughs> Not to besmirch him too much, but just kind of the line he's put up all year. And then our freaking boy, Jack <laughs> mother-freaking-Lindsay, out of nowhere. Not even on the depth chart. Just on the team, got a jersey on and has a warm body and was like, hey, you know what? You've been doing good in practice. You get in there. Came in and lit it up, baby. Three for four for 51 yards and a touchdown, and also ripped off a 30 yard run on his first play in Death Valley. Absolutely incredible. We are a Jack Lindsay fan account. Rushing the ball, uh, Rakeem Boyd had 13 carries for 33 yards, which really contained, could not really get anything going with him. As explosive as he often is, just had a lot of trouble finding any lanes and running room against a very, very stout and tough front. Uh, from LSU, and like we mentioned earlier, Jack Lindsay going three carries for 30 yards, all 30 coming on that first carry, his other three going for a net of zero. Uh, TJ Hammonds added five carries for 26 yards, Amante Spivey going four carries for 10, and Dev Waley going five carries for eight yards. Uh, tried a lot of different things at running back, all to no avail, just too tough of a defense from LSU. Traylon Burks led all receivers with three catches for 80 yards. On the defensive side of the ball, we gave up 612 yards, uh, highest total we've allowed all year. Um, Joe Burrow went 23 for 28, 327 yards and three touchdowns. Was pulled from the game early as his day was done fairly quickly. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went for six carries, 188 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, if you're good at math, that means you'll notice that he scored on half of his touches. Half of his touches went for touchdowns. He also had seven catches for 65 yards. Jamar Chase led all LSU receivers with six catches, 144 yards, and two touchdowns. So, not too much to say there other than we went to play the number one team at their place, and they beat us. I mean, it's uh, we, we'll dive into a, a couple small things that, that we can focus on for Arkansas here, but just as far as a numbers game goes... That's to be expected. I mean, I, I was fun for a little bit in the fourth, in the excuse me, the first quarter there, and we were only down by one. To imagine a world where Arkansas went on a tear and figured it out and 
pulled the upset of the century, but uh, we did not do that. However, as we've mentioned previously on our Twitter and in our articles, good teams win, great teams cover. Arkansas covered the spread, folks. Let us not gloss over that by any means. <laughs> the most important takeaway, of course, from this game is that uh, Jack Lindsay wanted to make sure that you would have money to spend uh, on Grandpa's rent payments, so he made sure that we covered. Uh, mm. That's right, Jack Lindsay of Lindsay Properties. <laughs> yeah, uh, wanted to make sure that we had some money in our pockets, I guess, from betting on Arkansas to cover. Incidentally, one of my coworkers, for those of you who don't know, I live and work in San Jose, California. One of my coworkers bet on us to cover, and he was an Arkansas fan for that night and spent most of the night texting me back and forth. And it was honestly kind of an experience to have someone not from Arkansas interested in Arkansas or otherwise engaged with Arkansas send me a text saying, so proud of these boys. <laughs> and that is how you promote Suey Worldwide, baby, by covering <laughs> the dadgum spread. I think it's worth noting, I mean, this LSU team is going to be the number one seed in the college football playoff. Joe Burrow is going to win the Heisman. I don't really think that there's any doubt of that. So, you know, we're not going to be able to go in there and beat them. But for the first, most of the first quarter and a lot of the fourth, it felt like we at least belonged on the same football field, which is yes. more than we've been able to say this entire year. Obviously, there were still the mistakes. We had a lot of really dumb mental mistakes happen where players were pulling up just shy of the first down marker, running out of bounds or sliding. I put that more on like a uh, freshman jitters than I do anything. Yeah. But it, that ultimately comes down to coaching. And quite frankly, I don't know how Joe Craddock still has a job, Yeah, but I put more blame on him for that than anything. But all that to say, we looked like we belonged for a little bit. And the fact that, you know, that's a positive thing to say this season is kind of gross. But maybe Barry will get him up from Missouri. Yeah, maybe he will. And I, it felt like, at the very least in that first quarter, that we were excited to play football again. That we had found someone that, at the very least, we wanted to put forth an effort for. So, you know, that was... There were positive things, and and just for um, Arkansas Nation, it was frustrating to see KJ not have time in the pocket, and because it feels like these things could have developed for him if he just had time to do these things, and he didn't, of course, and that's you know see him get kind of hurt and hoping he's okay, and just adds a, another level of murkiness. We don't really know who's going to play quarterback on Friday, and we've got a you know we got a shorter week to figure it out, and people are banged up, so you know it's another we might have start our you know, a eighth quarterback in the last two years, <laughs> I believe. Yeah. Because this year will have Jack Lindsay will have made five yeah. uh, this year. And we had three last year. And if my math serves me, that is eight. that is eight. A so, trademark sign that things are going great. Always love to see a carousel quarterback. Of course, granted you can't control injuries and that sort of thing. I really hope KJ is okay. We'd love to see him get some more reps to finish out the season, but this Jack Lindsay kid was fun, man. He came in and he was. ripped off a 30-yard run, and I had to do a double take because I was like, I can't find this kid anywhere on the depth chart. But he That's because he's not he, there. because he, he wasn't there. And he's ripping off runs at Death Valley like he owns the place. And 
throwing a great touchdown pass to Mike Woods and looked looked good. I just I mean, I, I wish I had more to say about him, but I literally had no idea who, who he was. And I care about Arkansas football very much. No idea who this guy was until he entered the game. One uh, thing that I've taken away from this game, and unfortunately not as uh, uplifting or positive as Jack Lindsay's success, but uh, we pay John Chavis $1.5 million a year to put that defense out on the field. Right. I have a couple of numbers for you, and they're fun, awesome, good numbers that every Hog fan will love. If we give up at least 181 yards and 17 points against Mizzou, it will officially be the worst statistical defense in Arkansas history. Number one, baby. We are paying him $1.5 million to field the worst defense in school history. Uh, and I would say, too, that this isn't exactly an untalented group of players. No, there, there are, have been worse defenses in program history talent-wise Absolutely, that have done more. I mean, oh, God, it's just, I, I uh, since Chad got fired, I feel like a lot of the rage has subsided, right. but it still bubbles up. Uh, yeah. How? Do, how? Do, how? Yeah, how? I think... Granted, again, number one team in the country, but 612 yards, and especially that that just ginormous, like, the ginormous stat of, you know, six six carries for 188 yards. Just, and three touchdowns. And three touchdowns. Just so many. Just tackle it. <laughs> Sorry, that, sound, that makes it sound so simple, but just I, I, so many yards on so few carries. There's a coaching problem there, and you're our defensive coordinator. That's, that's on you, and I don't. I don't presume to know anything, but I can't imagine that John Chavis will be coaching at the University of Arkansas next year. Um, It'll be hard to see him coaching anywhere next year. That's just... And it just... Uh, other things from this game. Traylon Burks had an incredible catch yes. on an early drive, and it, it made me mad. Um, <laughs> and I think that's because you look at the offensive core. There are good players there. Rakeem Boyd, Traylon Burks, Trey Knox, Mike Woods, CJ O'Grady until last week. You could and should have won games. Yeah. Like the fact that we may turn in another two and 10 year. This is better than a two and 10 team. Yeah. They uh, definitely should have won the non-conference games. They should have won the Kentucky game and very well could have beaten one of the Mississippi schools. Yeah. Well, then you've got six wins going into a Missouri game where they look like they're reeling. Yeah, and we're going to talk to Rock M Nation about this game a little bit later in the show, but it's not a team that looks very good and a team that looks very beatable, but a team that we, again, can't count on beating because we don't have any sort of idea what to do with the players that we have. Uh, another thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way about this game was <laughs> some reason... Greg McElroy <laughs> is the is I think he has to be related to Chad Morris at this point. He is just Chad Morris's number one fan, and I it rubbed me wrong that he sort of criticized the firing of Chad Morris by this university as if Chad Morris hadn't lost everyone already. You know what I mean? As if Chad Morris 
could have salvaged anything. And I didn't like the way that he kind of took of like holier than thou position when discussing Arkansas's athletics in the in regards to the firing of Chad Morris and how it was handled. Because at what point, Greg, do you think keeping this guy on is going to solve anything? Do you think next year he comes on and is lighting the fire of Arkansas football that people are coming out to see another year of Chad Morris's program? You think people are stoked to see him back on the sidelines when players won't even get 15 feet from him because they don't want to be around him? No. No one is stoked on a Chad Morris year three. So that that made me mad. Of it, I don't understand your like love of this dude and the way you talk about him as if he just didn't have enough time and didn't statistically put up just the worst season that Arkansas has ever seen in almost in back to back years. It's kind of funny to see the heel turn of uh, Greg McElroy because historically speaking. Uh, I have said in the past that there's not a bigger Arkansas fan than Greg McElroy because that guy loves Arkansas. He is on record as saying the loudest game he's ever played in was the 2010 game against Alabama. Uh, personally speaking, that's the loudest game I've ever been to. Um, but funny to me that a dude who has like spent the last four or five years of his broadcasting career really feeling like he was in touch with the fan base at Arkansas to really just get it wrong. Well, way off base. Completely wrong. Swing and a miss. Maybe two years isn't enough time, but it's enough time when there's no progress. And I don't know what progress he was seeing, uh, but I would love for him to explain it because I sure didn't see it. In fact, I saw regression. Yeah, Uh, I think most people did. Yeah, again, I just didn't understand his... He just seemed so bamboozled at this firing as if it came out of nowhere, as if anyone couldn't see it coming. And we all saw it coming and we all wanted it for a reason. So that just, I just I wanted to address that because it, it bugged me. And the fact that he kind of opined on it for a good chunk of time on the broadcast where we're quarter. already losing. <laughs> just yeah, like I think he's weird, a, a good broadcaster. I, I really don't. I think he's a good commentator. I just oh, I tend to like him. Yeah. It's just in that instance, I Man. was just like, buddy, you're wrong. Like, yeah. you're just wrong. Yeah, and you're doubling down pretty aggressively on being wrong. So, Greg, come on the pod, defend your defend your stance, or just you know come on the pod. We'd love to have you. It's fun too. <laughs> uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we will have the host of Rock M Nation's podcast uh, that is at the SB Nation site for Missouri. Our guy he Nate is coming to discuss what is sure to be uh, a game. A game will be played on Friday, allegedly. Uh, when we come back, Nate of Rock M Nation joins us in the studio. Welcome back from that break here on Arkansas Fights Podcast, Wupod Sui. We have a special guest in the studio joining us all the way from across the battle line presented by Shelter Insurance. We have Nate Edwards from Rock M Nation with us. Say hello, Nate. Hello, Nate. Well, well played. Yeah. Wow, we have Thank- already taken the first L of the battle line. <laughs> Man, you set yourself up for that one. I really did. did. Uh, I got a question for you. Is it Rock'em Nation or Rock'em Nation? <laughs> it is Rock. Breathe. 
M okay. Nation. Yeah. Rockham Nation would be pretty sweet, but that is not us. Okay. Rockham Nation is, of course, the SB Nation blog for Motley Crew. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very we do have a hair metal blog. In case you guys were wondering. <laughs> well, welcome. Uh, we have a game to play this Friday and yeah. do we have to, yeah, uh, that's, I, I wondered how you were feeling about it because I think the sentiment on this side of the battle line presented by shelter insurance is that, uh, we would rather not play. Yeah. Would be yeah. Cool if we could just kind of coast out the season with another bye week we should have Barry Odom <laughs> and what? Lunny. Barry? Yeah. Yeah. Money. Two berries. Battle of the berries. Just battle, Just the bar- berries. battle the berries. Uh, five five set competition. Greco Roman wrestling. <laughs> air guitar solo. Um, setting things on fire, and then like brisket cookout, and then yeah. etc. You know, yeah. like a like a hidden talent or something like that. Yeah, just like a, a talent show of like, hey, what do you got, Barry? Just show me anything <laughs> but football right now. Pretty much, I, I I'm I've I've talked to almost everybody in the SEC this year, and I think that you all are the only ones who are just dreading the continuation of the season more than we are. So, Mazel yeah. Tov. Yeah, glad to we we love to you know misery loves company, so solidarity there, brother. Uh, yeah, Missouri loves company. <laughs> and we're just taking it shelter on the chin insurance. on this episode. Yeah, folks. <laughs> Presented by Shelter Insurance. Yeah. I, I, I'm i glad you bring that up because Tucker and I have discussed it. And again, we don't claim to speak for all Arkansas fans. Oh, but I, this quote, Tucker claims to speak for all Arkansas fans. I do not. But this quote unquote rivalry is just not one. Yeah. It's yeah. not a rivalry. It was... It's literally a corporatized event to have a football game mean something extra at the end of the season. Pretty much. I mean, I love a good trophy. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I know the Big Ten has a monopoly on crazy trophies, but I mean, it's it's fun to play, guys. We've had a pretty spirited historical series, but it's just like, yeah, it's 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 forced. And when yes. it's forced, it's not real. So, right. We've talked about it uh, before. I think that we agree that like geographically it could make sense. And with the announcement that one of the upcoming games will be played in Arrowhead, I think that's a great idea. It's Mm -hmm. just, it feels so sanitized with the big (laughs) gaudy trophy and uh, the whole presented by shelter insurance part of it that, uh, I would almost rather, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think a lot of Arkansas fans would love to play Missouri, but maybe see the LSU game come back to being that Friday game mm. after Thanksgiving, and then you guys play Kansas again. Is there a desire for Missouri to play Kansas again, or are you guys just done with that bloodbath rivalry? No, 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 no. Uh, we, we have wanted that. We didn't want it to go away. Um, we, we wanted to get out of the big 12 because we didn't want to hang out with Texas anymore. I feel uh, that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, Kansas took their ball and went home cause they were not invited anywhere else. And they said, well, you left the conference, so we can't play anymore. Completely ignoring the fact that cross divi- or cross conference rivals exist all over the sport. Um, it was really pushed by their old, uh, AD, uh, Shannon Zager. And then of course, Bill self, the basketball coach. 
Um, but old Bill changed his tune once the FBI came a calling and said, <laughs> As uh, people want to do. <laughs> I need to do something good. So he actually brought back the basketball rivalry. We will be playing them in basketball in a couple of years and the football series is getting talks about starting back up. So like y'all have Kansas in your name, but it's just not the same. Right. And I would love for you all to, to play someone that you truly hate, just like we want to play someone that we truly hate. Um, and, if, you know, we make sense from a geographical standpoint. I agree. But like, what, what's our rivalry moment? You know, that, what's, what's the thing that kind of, you know, made you want to beat us? The only thing I can think of is that 16, the, the 16 game, 16 or 17, where we were, we kicked off at halftime to you guys, and one of your Upmen just stood his ground and pounded the hell out of one of our gunners and yeah. almost started a fight. That's the only rivalry moment I think we've had, unless I'm wrong. Right. It You're not wrong. A little manufactured, especially like I, I remember you guys had a linebacker a couple of years ago, Eric Beisel, Basil. Oh, yeah, Zeus, yeah. And he really tried to make it happen, and Dude, I appreciated that. Him. But it was just like, it. this isn't like, yeah. it just felt, it felt like it was trying to stoke up a fire that wasn't there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that hit on that gunner, and I remember going, oh, and yeah. then that, it was like, it like passed. I was like, okay, well, that happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now we're still just playing Missouri. Now, part of me wonders if, it's not due to the fact that both programs are sort of in the doldrums right now, us probably more so than you guys. Um, but do you think if the teams were better that maybe this would be a more fun rivalry? I mean, the way it's set up at the end of the season, potentially you could have some implications for postseason on the line if either of us were good. But <laughs> here we I are. Mean, what, what's, what was the best matchup? Like the highest ranked matchup? Would that be 14? I, I think believe that would have been, I mean, that's probably the best season we've had recently. It was the, it was our last good one. That's when we last won the East. And, um, that was a close game. I think it was a fumble at the end that we, we recovered that won it. And I, that was really, it was tight. It was well-played. It was contested. Stuff was on the line. That was a good game. It didn't feel like a rivalry game. It just felt like a good game. So, uh, we fell apart the next year, uh, and then rebuilt and you guys have kind of been in various stages of decay over the past year. So maybe that is the case, but uh, I don't really see any of us getting out of the hole anytime soon. So um, I don't know. It can make something out of it. Speaking of, I guess, getting out of the hole, what is the mood right now in Columbia about Barry Odom? I remember reading a lot, you know, after Gary Pinkle retired that, you know, he was a Barry Odom was a good fit and he ended up, you know, having some early success, but after this year with kind of the hype that came in with Kelly Bryant and I, I, what, it, what's the mood right now in Columbia? I mean, we've had people have wanted him fired since the Wyoming game. Um, so it's been kind of a season of, um, prove to me, show me if you will, that we, that you should have this job. And he did that for six weeks and then <laughs> stopped doing that. Um, I, I think from a, from a realism standpoint, he's not going to get fired, especially if these sanctions come down from the NCAA, which we know they will because the NCAA is a terrible institution. Sure. Um, <laughs> the worst. So we're going to get, you know, no bowl game, which wham, whatever. I don't want to play a bowl game. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> do you want to see this game, this team play another game? No, you do not. Um, 
So, so we'll have the bowl game ban, but we'll, it's, it's a reduction of scholarships and it's a reduction of visits, which is really the killer. Yeah. And if that comes through, ain't no coach in the world that's worth it, mind you, is going to come coach in Missouri. So if, if you're Barry Odom, you're kind of hoping this thing comes through. You get to end the season early. You probably get to keep your job. Um, but it's, it's not great. It's not great. We had the best uh, attendance we've had in four years uh, this year, but um, it's kind of sour around Columbia. Man, that is relatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sour and uh, dour are definitely relatable. Um, I guess I wanted I wanted to know. Uh, maybe this is you personally, but one of my favorite Razorbacks from a couple of years ago was a guy that I grew on kind of in one year and then got him taken away was Jonathan Nance. Um, <laughs> what, how does, how do the Missouri faithful feel about Jonathan Nance? Because he evidently did not like the coaching transition between Brett Bielema and Chad Morris. And in retrospect, I don't know that I can blame him. Yeah. Um, what, uh, I guess he was kind of the other marquee transfer that you guys had. What uh, is the mood about Jonathan Nance? How has he played this year? I have not been able to keep up. Well, um, one thing that he's not very good at is paying his parking tickets because he got arrested <laughs> on Friday for not showing up at court. Um, so pay your parking tickets, kids. Uh, $10 can quickly turn into a trip to jail. Um, but uh, from a from a game standpoint, he's I think he's been... Ugh, uh, has he been our best? I think he's been our best receiver. He's at least dropped the ball the fewest. Um, <laughs> he's got, uh, I think he's got most targets. He doesn't have the most catches, but um, he's, he's been okay. But uh, it's also kind of the, the secrets out of the bag that he's the one that can actually hold on to the ball. Um, so, you know, forcing it to him has kind of been how we get him the ball the past couple games which has not worked out very well. So uh, he's been a great addition. You know, if he was on any other receiving core, I think he would have had a, gr a great year. Um, and, and we're glad he's here. You know, we're sorry that it didn't work out, but um, yeah, he and he and Kelly committed on the same day and we, we were feeling pretty good about it. And you know, he's tried his damnedest, but it's just this, this receiving core is garbage and Kelly Bryant is working on half a leg and can't get the ball to where it needs to go. So it just kind of wasn't going to work out this year. You seem so resigned to admit that he was your best receiver. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, he doesn't drop it. So I guess by default, <laughs> I mean, I know you all haven't watched Missouri football. <clears throat> it's That's okay. Been, we barely want to watch Arkansas. Football. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not been fun. Uh, we got little moments of like, Oh, that was cool. And then you go, a month without scoring a touchdown. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been trying. Yeah. I, what, what can we expect um, from you guys? I guess this might be a, a silly question because I think we both know where both programs stand and it seems maybe a little cyclical to ask this, but what can we expect from you guys, you know, coming down to war Memorial and little rock and see what are you guys going to, what is, what has been Missouri's kind of MO this season uh, besides besides mediocrity because uh, both both programs are familiar with that this year but what yeah. what, do you, what do you guys do well and what do you think you guys are going to bring to the field on Friday I mean Tennessee kind of really shook us up because that that was not usually how games go if you look at at the 
All right. So yeah, obviously you got the defense. That is our strong suit. Uh, yep. Even with our, our, our captain, our middle linebacker, Kale Garrett, who's gone for the year after the Troy game. Uh, it's been an excellent defense. They, they stifled the run uh, up until last week. They're really good against the pass. And then we lost <laughs> our two starting cornerbacks. So, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, we've been pretty good in the, in the passing game, making it very inefficient. So, you can move the ball on the Tigers. It takes a lot of plays, and at some point, they tend to stop you. So it's a very frustrating experience uh, for any opponent offense. And then it's kind of the same story if Missouri has the ball. We can't run uh, at all. Our, our offensive line is just in shambles right now, even though they return three multi-year starters. Um, our running back, Larry Roundtree the third, who was going to go to the NFL after this probably, can't create for himself, can't hit the holes. And if there is a hole, you know, well, usually there aren't, but if there is, he can't hit it. Um, you know, our, our receivers really struggle to get open. And even if they do, we lead the conference and drop rate at 26%. So, um, one out of every four balls hits us in the hands and drops harmlessly to the grass. So it's, it's very much a field position, frustrating game where you always feel like you're about to win it, but you never feel like you are. And, um, it, it's not great, guys. It's not great. <laughs> I well, have some. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> say we that, have some good news. Uh, our offense is the issue. Our offensive line is shambolic, <laughs> and uh, we tend to have some drops. Uh, yeah. Maybe less so, but uh, I can guarantee you that it won't be pretty on our side. So if you say that it won't be pretty on your side. <laughs> We have just a beautiful Black Friday came ahead of ourselves. Berry bash, guys. I'm telling you, the berry bash. <laughs> the berry five bowl. rounds of berries. <laughs> I uh, got some good news for your defense that can stop the run is we almost exclusively want to run the ball because we cannot figure out what to do on the passing game side of things. Tasty. Tasty. So I'm, I for- enjoy throwing it up for grabs um, and do have some receivers capable of coming down with it. Um, but the problem about doing that is that you have to be protected long enough to heave it up in the air and that doesn't happen. Oh man. I just, a real, a real treat on Friday. I I'm so shocked. And I, I know this is, this is focused on Missouri, but I'm just the, the speed of which this Arkansas team has just fallen apart is shocking to me. I don't know. And I'm sure you, you all have some idea. I just, I don't know how it came to this, uh, especially with the way that Brett Bielema constructed this team. You feel like there'd be at least some strengths on defense and on the running game. And you all just, like you said, it's just nothing. I, I just, it's so bizarre to me. It's bizarre to us too. Yeah, man. <laughs> you, uh, you've summed up our season quite well. Yeah. The, the, just the off a cliff, the, that this season took after the Kentucky game in particular. And there are some, people close to the program we've spoken to a little bit and just kind of in Arkansas media that suggests that Chad lost the locker room at halftime of the Kentucky game, which I have no trouble believing at all and surprised mm. it didn't happen sooner. And since that game was when we went on a tear of just losing by a lot, just no, yeah. just like not even close. I mean, even to Western Kentucky, not even close, not putting up a fight at not, all, not putting yeah, No F like no, no desire to show up for that head coach. Uh, and you could you could see even I mean we obviously just lost big to LSU that we discussed earlier but it's still in the first quarter we came out and we fought we looked like we wanted to be there we wanted to play and granted we ended up losing that game 
to the number one team in the country, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. But we looked like we wanted to be there, or we wanted to put forth an effort for the staff, or at least for Barry Lunny Jr. For so, parts of the first and fourth quarter, we looked like we belonged on a football field, which is more hey. than we've been able to say. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I just, I get this nagging feeling um, that we do a 2016 again and uh, the team that has no shot of winning actually pulls off the upset. And I just, I just feel like you guys are going to win <laughs> and just like, good, put it, put me out of my misery. Let's get to 2020. <laughs> yeah. I, if I'm, if I'm going game prediction, I don't think this is going to be a, the prettiest game of our se- of either of our seasons by any means, but I'm, I'm going with a, put this in the Q and a for your website. I'm going, I'm picking with my heart and I'm going 24, 17 hogs. Wow. You really think anyone's going to score over 10? I was going to say that's a really bold prediction that anyone will get in double digits. <laughs> oh, don't put me on blast on my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, this season has ruled out like, like all bets are off. I would normally feel decent about playing a struggling team in War Memorial Stadium, which has historically been a tricky place to play for opponents. But at this point, I can definitely see the team thinking, let's get to 2020, like you said. And I don't know, maybe this will just be a 0-0 battle until the last minute of the fourth quarter and then whoever wins wins three to nothing because somebody has to win. We all deserve this. <laughs> yeah, this is the ending that these two programs deserve. Just going out with a whimper of like, please just let this end. <laughs> I'm just imagining the uh uh gosh from the from the watchman, right? When you got uh Rorschach just like do it. Just do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, if you don't know what Watchmen is, you need to situation. bone up on your literature. That's a time. That's a, that's a time 100 best novels of all time. It is. I it's saw on it on the, the cover. On the list. Well, I think that's going to do it for us, uh, Nate. Thank you so much for coming on and talking football mediocrity and just know that we understand what it's like to go through a season where you have high hopes or yeah. at least reasonable expectations only to see them demolished Dash immediately <laughs> just and aggressively just destroyed in front of you. Well, we still have time to petition for a Barry bowl. Uh, I, I, I trust I have your two signatures. Oh, I absolutely. think we can get this going. Yeah. I'll put it in front of as long as shelter insurance can still sponsor. God, it. Yes. <laughs> We can just take that big gaudy trophy and instead of the like red Arkansas and yellow Missouri, just have a piece of like a two by four with Barry scrawled on it. <laughs> just a plank that says Barry on it. <laughs> I think oh, that's, that's really fitting of where we're at right now. That's all. Yeah, pretty much. God, that's going to be a great Black Friday, guys. Just, just <laughs> excellent. I plan on being drunk by the time kickoff starts for sure. Folks, (laughs) you may be looking for deals in the stores, but have we got a bargain game for you? (laughs) Oh, we we are just the $2 bargain bin DVD of football. So get it, get it while it's hot. Yeah. We're like the out cold of DVDs. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) 
Uh, don't besmirch the 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 film majesty of Zach Galifianakis. That's a it's a it's a timeless classic. It's one of his first roles. Great movie, but I definitely really uh, in a bargain bin. It's a, it's in a bargain bin somewhere. It is. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. And yeah, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're looking forward, looking forward to, to well as much as one can look forward to Friday. <laughs> To ends, to ends yeah. of terrible things. Let's <laughs> look forward to the season ending and uh, just resign to the fact that this game will happen whether I want it to or not. Amen. Thanks so much. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, guys. And we are back. Thank you so much again to Nate for stopping by and discussing what is sure to be a football game. <laughs> um, it's, for, it's happening. That's the best way to put it. Will be people in War Memorial Stadium. What they will be doing, none can say. Uh, I think we're signing off on the Berry Bowl. Um, yeah, I'm in um, on the Berry Bowl. I'm printing up t-shirts. All in on the Berry Battle. Uh, so, speaking of berries, uh, there's been a little bit of controversy on Twitter. And I think we need to weigh in on it. And it is that people are ranking sides for thanksgiving and uh the reason berry ties into that is of course because of uh cranberries so i got it thanks for explaining okay i just wanted to make sure (laughs) wanted to make sure you know we got to reach on these uh and uh we also have had some internal strife when coming to ranking these uh side dishes because of my personal stance on the side that is stuffing slash dressing and uh, folks, we have actually been engaged in a fisticuff battle um, pretty much every minute between takes of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, oh, so my stance is uh, I'm just going to put it out there and I cannot wait to be lit up because it is my probably hottest food take and around this time of year. But I think that stuffing slash dressing is very overrated. I think there are much better sides uh, on the on the table during Thanksgiving, and I I'm also of the the belief that the sides are really the mains. Everything is better than the turkey, but that's I I agree. I you know I'm going to start this debate off by agreeing with you. I love that. I am on the record as saying that turkey is the single most overrated holiday staple of all time. If the president were to pardon every turkey, nothing would be lost. Um, but I'm going to have to disagree with you uh, on your other take. To begin with, let's start a baseline. Dressing and stuffing, radically different things. Dressing comes in a pan. Stuffing goes up a bird's uh, orifice. Gross. Gross. Um, I'm with you. Stuffing. I'm not for it. Dressing, on the other hand, is quite possibly the single greatest holiday staple uh, known to man. Now, hold on a second, because I'm sure you're about to jump out of your chair right now and physically punish me for challenging your views. But I need you to know what the baseline of my dressing is. All right. Because I was discussing this very controversial topic at work today, and I don't think there's a baseline understanding of what dressing is. To me, dressing involves 
a ton of cornbread, chicken and not turkey, and chicken broth, as well as your usual veggie staples, kind of made into a big mashed up casserole, for lack of a better word. The cornbread being the operative thing there, because apparently some folks are making dressing with bread. And if that's the case with you, then I get it. Dressing is overrated because the cornbread is what makes it so great. I think that is the thing because every no dressing I've ever had has been made with cornbread. And I'm sorry for you. And it's funny, like, I'm, you know, I'm from the South, obviously, but everyone's dressing slash stuffing whatever recipe is always different, but it's always some sort of dadgum family secret that no one will ever reveal. So I couldn't tell you necessarily what was in all the stuffings or dressing that I've had, but I appreciate the fact that you're trying to establish a baseline of which we judge all stuffings and dressings, but no, I've never you had. You can't conduct an experiment without a control. I, I think we just at least need to establish what the definition of dressing is. That's fair. Let, let's, let's give our top five Thanksgiving sides to close this bad boy out so people can kind of know where we sit. All right. Uh, I'm going to be maining ham for this, which matters because it pulls the plate together. Okay, so your, um, your meat at Thanksgiving for this plate is ham. Right. Okay. So that's your quote unquote main, although I think we can agree that the sides are the mains. Right. Number one, dressing. It's not close. Um, we can agree to disagree on that, uh, but that's just the way it is. Um, number two, I'm going to go with mashed potatoes. Okay. Uh, give me that starch. Nothing wrong with loading up on starch. I usually operate right now on a keto diet, um, but that will be paying a little trip to the uh, vacation house, I guess, because uh, I'm checking my keto at the door. Nice. Uh, Let's see. Number three, we do at our house this like cheesy potato casserole. Yeah. Uh, Cheesy like hash brown casserole. Hash brown casserole. Very familiar. Okay, good. Then you are right. Um, That one's going to be number three. Uh, Number four, you're loading up. You got to hit the rolls, man. Um, Really kind of space out your stomach well uh, when you're intaking all of that food. I think the rolls really tie things together. Uh, Number five. um, Huh, that's that's a tough one because I think usually I'm filling up on those four. Um, So if I were to draft a fifth one. I'm going to say, like, more meat. Okay. That's fine, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, you know, that's, that's acceptable. Again, I just think that people that are just pecking at bread like birds, you just don't, that doesn't need to be your number one side. But that's okay, you know, to each their own. I'll give you mine real quick. One, mac and cheese. The backbone of Thanksgiving has been carrying the plate for centuries, will continue to do so for centuries to come. Mac and cheese, number one. Two, mashed potatoes uh gravy yes i'm into it give me some gravy on those bad boys actually give me a little gravy on everything i don't mind a little gravy getting into my other stuff um number three for me i'm actually gonna go same as you there i've just grew up with the hash brown casserole and i am into it give it's me incredible some, give me some more potatoes i want a side of potatoes with my other with potatoes, my potatoes. <laughs> give them to me uh number four 
I'm going to go rolls as well. Uh, I just love some bread on top of my other starches, uh, my double helping of potatoes. Nothing helps chase it like bread. Uh, and number five, something that gets often overlooked and kind of belittled and made fun of. And I'm going to reveal a little bit of how much of a white guy I am here. But number five for me, it's got to be some green bean casserole. Absolutely love a green bean casserole with some crispy French's onions on top. Give me all of that, please. You know, I don't know that that's wholly wrong. Uh, I think for me, if I were to amend my list at all, it would be green beans, uh, like just green beans with some bacon, like put in there. I don't think you can go wrong with green beans. I think you're good there. I don't think so either. And then my one of my coworkers at my job had a pretty interesting take that I don't necessarily think I disagree with, but I don't know if I agree with it completely either. He said the best part of Thanksgiving is the next day when all of the leftovers you just put on one big sandwich. Oh my! Wow, that it's That's, a it's a take that I'm still figuring out my feelings on. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't not make sense to me. I understand it. I do want to go on record and say that anything with cranberries uh, can go away. See, I don't disagree. Care. Put, At all. Give me a big old slice of cranberry, baby. Give me some of that cranberry yeah. sauce. I want some sweet with my savory. Get a little bit in there. Mix it up. Live your life. Uh, <laughs> worth noting, I guess, mac and cheese was never really a thing in Thanksgiving where I was growing up. So I guess I'm going to need to like figure out a way to make that a thing. You got to get it integrated. Uh, because uh, I feel like I would rank that very highly if that had ever been a staple of my childhood. But man, it sure wasn't. So... See, that's uh, Partridge right. and Woodard family, uh, we got to get on this mac and cheese business. That's where I feel like you're missing out. Uh, and I think, too, we should mention, just for posterity here, Nate uh, also gave his top five to contribute to the debate. So Nate went, of course, number one, he went with stuffing slash dressing. <laughs> Once again, I am dying on the hill that that is wrong, but that's okay. Nate, thank you so much for backing up Tucker's argument and making me look like a damn fool. Number two for Nate was mashed potatoes. A good choice. Number three. Very popular. Yeah. Good, good top three. I uh, got top two there. Number three was gravy. And he put separate from the mashed potatoes because it's that important. And I will say I have been to several uh, Thanksgiving dinners and Friendsgivings where the gravy is treated as almost a dish. It's almost like a soup because there's bits of the turkey that was cooked and like other goodies in there. Uh, and apparently it's that important to Nate that it's its own thing. So number three for Nate was gravy. Number four coming in with the mother freaking rolls. Uh, rolls are obviously. I think that was four on both of ours too. It was. Yeah, it was. So just we're consensus there. And five, he's uh, again, team Tucker here with going anything but cranberries. Once again, I am a food pariah on this podcast. A food I pariah. I mean, come on, man, because <laughs> what Nate and I are doing is bridging the battle line rivalry gap. Presented by Shelter Insurance. Presented by Shelter Insurance. I think that's, I think that's going to do it for us. I think that, Folks. I think that brings us <laughs> to the end of Wu Patsui presented by Shelter Insurance. Please pay us, Shelter. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for staying around to the end. We know that there's a lot of Arkansas content out there and that you make a choice to listen to us. And for that, we thank you forever. Please be sure to subscribe to us on whatever podcast provider you use please give us any kind of positive reviews on those sites if you give us negative reviews we'll never forgive you um 
Just kidding. Please, if you have any suggestions for how this could be better, we are a podcast by fans for fans. So any suggestions you have to make us better, we are happy to consider. Um, please give us a follow on Twitter at Arkansas Fight. We're nearing 10,000 followers. So help us get over that. We may do something special for 10,000 followers, but until we get there, we'll never know. Um, if you want to see more bad takes, you can follow me at Tucker Partridge. And if you want to see good takes, follow at Sol Malone on Twitter as well. Until then, hopefully at the next podcast, we will have a head coach. But if not, keep it locked on ArkansasFight.com. We will be doing roundtable reviews of every single coaching candidate we hear about. Thanks, guys. See you next Whoop time. Big. Whoop big. Whoop